McKenzie, space again, gets the pass away for Lampy! Oh, oh, now and welcome to your Black Podcast. With Auckland Lockdown, we are recording in the Raw HQ studio down here on the Mount. Huge thank you to Kip Muir and the Raw HQ team. Outstanding local gym down here on the Mount. Kipper also runs a great podcast, the Raw HQ podcast. Had some fantastic guests on it, like Sammy Kane, New Zealand Mouldy coach, played in McMillan, and even one of our guests today. Looking forward to this pod. We've just had 34 players named for the Black Ferns Tour to the Northern Hemisphere. And to talk us through that, and all things women's rugby, Liz Elder and Reno Wycliffe. Welcome, girls. Hi, thank you for having us. What's going on? What's been going on today? It's Monday in the Mount. What does a Monday in the Mount look like, firstly, for you, Liz? Um, well, Pangles is a little bit, she's up a bit earlier than me, but I'm up at about 5am on a Monday. Um, we have gym at 5.45 and us old girls usually need to get there a little <laughs> bit before that. So yeah, up early, 5am, um, get into the gym about 5.30 and, and crack into a gym session. Um, yeah, followed by some skills. So all, like, all wrapped up by about 7.30 on a Monday morning. Awesome. And... Not that long ago, you're also off to a day job, but you've actually um, you're stopping that for a wee while to focus on the footy for the next 12, 18 months. Is that right? Yeah, after having my little girl, I returned to um, part time work at Bay Rugby. Um, but you know, I went back for a few for maybe six weeks or so, and I just probably got to a point where when you're looking ahead to what's coming, you know, the World Cup next year, um, and me being my best for that, I thought there was an opportunity for me to just focus solely on being the best mum that I can be, but also being the best athlete I could be. So um, had to prioritise, and for me that, that meant resigning from Bay Rugby. But um, still still there every day, pretty much. And I've heard you say before in other interviews that um, sometimes you say yes to too many th- to too many things, so it's probably actually quite a tough decision for you to, to prioritise a, a couple of things for the future, being family and footy, and was that a tough decision, or actually you just want to give it 100 for the next wee while? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough decision, but probably just one I cr- made made harder in my head, yep. um, thinking I was letting people down and things like that. But when I actually spoke to, you know, some of my closest people, it became really clear what the decision was. And when I made that decision, there was a huge weight off my shoulders and I've actually really loved it. So, yeah, and they were really supportive as well. Yeah, and it's got to be because even though difficult times at the moment, I mean, getting a schedule for anything these days is difficult, but, you know, as it stands at the moment, you girls do have a tour at the end of the year maybe even some Super Rugby fixtures next year, and then after that, um, a Rugby World Cup. So we do know that we've got a lot coming up, and you can just put your head down, do the mahi, and be in best nick possible for those things. 100%. I mean, with all the uncertainty, um, knowing that the interview tour tour was definitely locked in, um, it just helps the mental well-being, I think, and just being able to prepare for something. Up until now, there has been a little bit of train to train, but now there is, you know, train with a purpose because we know what's coming. 100%. 100%. Renee, for you, what's going on Monday in the Mount? Yeah, pretty similar with um, what Liz just mentioned. But um, yeah, I wake up a little bit earlier just to get a morning routine in. Um, and that involves a, a cold shower just to wake up the, the young body. Oh, Wim Hof. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just get into some gym, uh, into a gym session and schools. And then straight back home to get my daughter ready for school and breakfast and that. So yeah, it's pretty full on in the mornings. I'm feeling lazy, really, with these early starts that you <laughs> girls are pulling off. But, um, I mean, what a place to live as well, isn't it? Like, I know um, for the Sevens team, it was only just off the back of the last Olympics that they went to centralisation, which brought them all here to the mountain, able to, to live and train here. And for you girls as well, 
with the HPC over at Blake Park where there's a number of uh, high-performance athletes coming out, including our sevens teams. It's got to be a great spot uh, to train and, and really put your head down for such significant milestones coming up. Yeah, 100%. I mean, me and Pango have come, or Renee, sorry, have come from other unions as well where we probably don't have the luxuries that yeah. we have here. So I think at times uh, we can take that for granted, but uh, we're pretty lucky to be surrounded by not just the sevens girls and boys, but, um, you know, we've got young Olympians, yeah. uh, young surfers, you know, just athletes everywhere. So it's pretty inspiring when you walk into the, to the HPC. And did you, um, well, I know your partner Portia played, so you surely, but did you take in heaps of the Olympics? Firstly, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that. Eh? But no, yeah, I did. Um, I, I enjoyed, like, we train alongside these girls, or we have before. Awesome. We've seen them train. Um, obviously, Portia's my partner. I've seen her train. Yep. Um, but also be a mum also be just a great person off the field and see all that and not just her but all the seven skills so it's pretty cool to just see that side of the side of them and um yeah and just to witness what they accomplished in the olympics is pretty unreal from what they last achieved yeah. it was awesome wasn't it because like a little bit like with you girls with the world cup being delayed a year they had the Olympics delayed as well, wasn't it? So when you get the message that it's postponed and you put in so much hard work and you've probably got a couple of months out from the most significant um, tournament that you're training for to have that pushed down the line, mm. it's actually really, really tough, isn't it, to see them go out and still have that opportunity because I, I certainly was one who thought it was 50-50 for a while whether, mm. whether the Olympics was go-ahead. So yeah. to see all those athletes actually have the opportunity yeah. to go out and have a crack was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think we can actually learn from a few of those girls as well. I mean, me and Pango are in a similar position to some of the older girls in that team who have families or some of those ones that were looking to start families. So the the mental toll that it takes, um, you know, for us, we didn't even realise that it hit us as hard as it did yep. until a little bit after. Um, I think looking back personally, it's probably been a godsend for me, like to be physically ready because yep. I think I would have been just over a year past and that was my because baby. Just had a young baby, just trying yeah. to get back to being full-time yeah. athlete, and it was yeah. almost maybe too soon. Yeah, I think so <laughs> yeah. now. At the time, I was fighting head high. You wouldn't have said that last like, year, would you? You wouldn't <laughs> have said that. <laughs> nah, I was fighting for it to go ahead. But um, in hindsight, I think it's worked off really really well, not just for us two, but our whole team. Yeah, yeah. And watching Porsche, geez, I was, I'm just a fan. You're a little bit more connected again with Porsche playing, but like with that game against Great Britain, the semi-final against Fiji, I was sweating. I was seriously, seriously nervous, like... Were you pacing the room? Yeah, yeah, I was actually. Um, and I was like getting calls from family and stuff. And I couldn't even watch the game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I kind of was in the game and then kind of wasn't. I kind of didn't even want to know. It was just, um, but at the same time, was it? We had a game against Waikato and they were playing yeah, semi. semi. Yeah. So wow. while we were playing Waikato, I could hear someone yelling out the score. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I should be on focusing that. on playing, but at the same time, someone they were yelling it over the intercom. Eh? Yeah, like yeah, someone was yelling the score, and yeah, we were here. We could hear oh. like stay in the game, but you could hear these. Yeah, because you've you've both had time in the sevens, haven't you? And it's it's a hell of a game to watch because it just swings so quickly. Like if you get a penalty at the wrong time, or you get someone yellow carded for a couple of minutes, yeah. it just swings it, and it it's blooming roller coaster to watch as a fan. Yeah. Like um, it was a seriously stressful situation, yeah. but. Makes it exciting, eh? Yeah, totally. Um, they did so well. It's awesome they won gold and, and great to see them all, all back home now and being able to enjoy and relax in that. For you guys, as we said at the start, 
34 people named on the tour. I was having a look at the the squad. Wow, it's a scattergun. Like there's there's 12 debutants, so 12 new girls, which is which is awesome for them. There's three players coming over from the sevens, which is awesome to to bring over those girls. And then there's some older, more experienced players like yourself. A good mix, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's good that um, coaches brought in some uh, fresh blood, um, and it gives these girls an opportunity to put their hand up. Obviously, they worked really well um, throughout FPC, and that's I guess that's what the coaches wanted to see. So um, it's awesome for these young girls, you know, oh, these new girls to to make it. And I guess for us experienced ones, um, it's an opportunity to also have our, put our hands up, but to encourage these young girls to to step up and and have a go because um, they've got the, the they've got what it takes and um, yeah it's I think it's awesome. There's um have you noticed because like you say some of the things when you first started just weren't there like a, a structured Farapama Cup you know like um, contracted players at a 15s level are you noticing now with more professionalism coming into the women's game that you're getting more depth more strength you know like some of these girls coming through a um, are not just new to the game, but they might have played for three, four or five years. They're starting to have a bit of specific training and they're keeping on your toes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the fact that you can bring, I think we've, you know, you've you said 12 debutants, but when you actually look at the a couple of those other girls that played in the Barbarian Series for the Black Ferns last year, they've never been on tour or played Test Match Rugby. So yep. it probably is a little more than 12. You know, you're kind of looking at about 16 newbies to a tour. Um, so that's depth right there, you know, and, and that's come from having more opportunities to play and, and more opportunities to be seen. I think adding our layer of super rugby is just going to be even better, not just for um, bettering the, the game, the level of intensity and the, the quality of the rugby, but also just exposing more women to that level of rugby. Because yeah. um, that, I mean, looking at that Chiefs Blues game this year, the intensity was really good. So getting more women playing that level, it just brings them a lot closer to what's expected in a test match. And is that, I mean, that was, that was awesome. I watched that game. Um, Chiefs took it out. But was, you know, like you say, for you, who you played basically at every level, both of you guys have, was it a genuine step up? And does that excite you that you might be able to do next year maybe three, four or five of those types of games? 100%. It was definitely a step up. Yeah. Um, the, the speed of that game... Um, was I think they actually measured it, the Black Ferns management measured it to being quite similar to an Aussie test match. Yep. So the quality is is definitely a step up and, and one that's very much needed. Awesome. Yeah. What's really exciting about um, the tour coming up is not just, you know, you get to go, you know you've got some fixtures, you've got all these um, great combination in the squad of players, but also I assume because when was the last time the Black Ferns played a test match? Was it 2019? Exactly. So not only do you have four games against great opposition, which we'll talk about a little bit later, who have been playing rugby up in the Northern Hemisphere, which you guys haven't, mm. um, but also I'm sure it's, what, four or five weeks on the road together, just being able to come together, gel, connect, get to know each other going into you know the biggest year. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a great opportunity for us to just get back into it again. Yep. Um, like, like you said, 2019 has been a... Uh, a long time, <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think personally, I've been out of the game for a little while, so it's just um, been nice to play some international um, teams. Yeah, because um, like I talked to um some of the some of the All Blacks boys, and we had them on about a month ago when they were still in Auckland, and and asked about 
Uh, we had Siva Reese, we had Lukey Jay, and then we had Dane. And I was like, what's what's it like now these days as a young player coming into the All Blacks? And they spoke you know, very much about perhaps it's a little bit different to what it used to be back in the day when you know you really had to earn the respect of the older players and not a lot was said to you as a younger guy, whereas these days it's flipped on its head a little bit more and, and you do everything you possibly can mm. um, to help a new player hit the ground running. What's it like in the girls' environment? You know, you're a couple of the more experienced players now. Do you uh, make them earn their stripes or you're very approachable? You know, what's what's it like? What's the dynamic like in the Black Ferns? Yeah, it's very much the same. Like, At least we're trying to get it as close to that as we can. Um, I guess for us, we see value in if a person feels that they belong, they're valued, um, they're part of something greater than themselves, then we're going to get the best out of them and we can't get the best out of them if we're restricting them or pushing so. them down. So for us it's very much about bringing, and bringing the girls on the journey and empowering them to lead themselves and bring their authentic self to the environment because you know everyone's different flavour um, is going to make for a better team. So we definitely encourage that and we're learning how to do that better as leaders as well. Yeah, cool. Well, you've got a fantastic opportunity coming up, don't you, to have so much time on the road. Let's talk a little bit about the opposition. Um, you've got England and you've got France in a couple of tests each, I think that's right. And from what I can tell, obviously, you know, I tuned into the World Cup final back in 2017. Hell of a game that was against England. Um, looking, doing a little bit of research on the Six Nations up there, these are the two best teams in the Northern Hemisphere from what I can tell. So in terms of preparation for a really busy year next year, it doesn't get much better, does it? Nah. Nicely, he's got us. No, we definitely need to be playing Tier 1 Nations Um, and like you said, they are two of the best um, and have been playing so while people are saying you might be playing a little bit of catch up um, it's not really a message that we can rely on and we just need to focus internally we do have that good build up and that's the beauty of tour life I guess is that you get to actually apply your rugby day in, day out um, get your combinations right you know, get your strategic drivers working together and building all those combinations and things like that. So the rugby component's going to be massive, um, but so is the the cultural connection part of what we do because five weeks on the road, um, not knowing what what we're walking into, are we going into lockdown hotels, are we going to be able to leave our hotel we don't know, you know what that, that looks stuff. like. Do you know any of that nah, stuff? What does it look like? You know? <laughs> we don't know anything at the moment. So Just getting on the plane and go yeah, for it. Yeah, there might be a level of needing to actually uh, disconnect the team so we're not down each other's throats. But yeah, yeah we just got to have to think and plan that stuff through. Oh, that's awesome. And, and do you know, you might not know this at the moment, but for the World Cup next year, which is obviously going to be the goal for everyone, how many players do we take for that? We've got a squad of 34 going north, but uh, next year it's a a tournament at home in front of our own friends and family. How many are selected for the tournament, do you know? I think that number has been thrown around because of World Cup. So with teams travelling here, not knowing certainty around COVID and stuff, giving the travelling teams the opportunity to bring bigger squads. So I'm pretty sure it's around about that. It might even be more. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And it's in October, November next year in Auckland and Northland. Like, firstly, geez, how good are rugby conditions is that going to be? We're going to be watching footy and T-shirts and and it's... (laughs) Um, I reckon you'll get a really good turnout because that's a fantastic time of year to, to watch footy in and a fantastic time of year to play footy. Does that suit our style? You know, are we a side that likes to throw the ball around? A, a firm surface with the sun out is going to suit the Black Ferns? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll, um, especially for the backs anyway, yeah. um, give us a prime opportunity for the likes of myself to <laughs> score some good tries. Just give me the ball. Yeah, just give me the ball. Um, no, nah, but I think it'll be cool, yeah. Yeah, I think too we need to still, 
you know, we've got to be a team that can adapt to either way. So we, we have the flair and excitement out wide, but we can power through the middle if we have to. It's such a big part of rugby, isn't it? It yeah. doesn't matter whether it's men's or women's. You've got to be physical. You've got to win the yeah. contact. You've got to earn the right, don't you? So, yeah, 100%. And as, um, for you guys, you of all the players in the squad, you've been to World Cups. You know what it's all about. Like, Is there a couple of memories that stick out for you guys, in particular perhaps the first tournament, whether it was the last one? I know... Um, Obviously, we, we won the last one. It was at the final against England. It was a hell of a game. I was nervous as, and I thought, geez, for a while there, I, I didn't think we were going to get over the line, but you managed to come back and win it. But what even about, I think you went to your first World Cup in even 2010. Yeah. 10. Old master. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, 2010. Um, I was actually watching the game a couple of nights ago, and um, I don't know if these are good memories, but <laughs> the first game I, like, tore my calf, and then I was supposed to come back um, – they kept me for semi, and then I injured my ribs, got a cortisone jab, and then I was back for the final. Broke my finger, so <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, yeah, but we won in the end. So just that's bandaged it. up and running yeah, out there. Yeah, just put my finger back in place and good to go. <laughs> oh my god! Doesn't compare to having a baby, eh? Oh, <laughs> oh man, I don't. It's next level. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I think that's. I mean when you sort of start doing a bit of research on you guys and, and some of the things you go through just to get out there, like you sacrifice a lot. It's, it's bloody impressive um, that you're able to get as much training and get as physically fit as you guys are with all the different things you've got to consider. But for that, um, for a lot of people will be listening, they will remember that last World Cup, which you guys were both a part of. Mm. Um, going into that, were we favourites? Were we not favourites? It was up in their part of the world, so maybe they were. Like, well, We'd just lost. Uh, they came down here. Auss- Aussie and England came here prior to that in June 2017 and we actually lost to England before the Māori All Blacks eh? that double header mm. and I think it's probably the best thing that ever happened to us because mm. we went into that undefeated for quite a long time yeah, um, yeah and I mean so I think they actually went in favourites and we went in with a bit of a fire in our bellies to mm. take back what was ours what we believed to be ours um, so now nah, it was cool but I mean I meant, you mentioned earlier that that there was a point there where you didn't think we were going to cross the line. And it's funny you say that because when you think of fond memories, one of my fondest memories was half-time and we were down. Uh, might have been 17-5 or 17-10, I'm not too sure, but we were down and been under a bit of pressure. And there was not one moment in that huddle or in that changing yeah. room that we doubted that we were going to lose that. Yeah, well. Yeah, we 100% knew that we were going to win that game. And... We just made a slight adjustment to our game plan and the ability for that team to flick from a wide, expansive game to a direct up-the-middle game in that second half um, showed some some courage. And I think that was probably one of my proudest moments, I guess, as a team, being a part of that team. What drove that belief? Was it the the personnel you had, like a lot of experienced players? Was it, like you say, you'd had that punch in the nose beforehand where it was just pure determination, there was no overconfidence, you just... Absolutely determined to get the job done. I think all of it. Yeah. Hey, like um, oh, I don't know. I was the same as Les. Like for me, I was in the changing rooms, and I remember, I remember when we split into our backs and forwards. Usually, some girls are wanting to say a lot. Yeah. But it was. It just took one person to say something, and we were already just like, "Yep, yeah, we've got this." Like, and then we connected together, and just looking around in the huddle, and just everyone's. It was calm. I f- it just felt like everyone was calm and. Through, yeah, yeah. There's just, just no doubt, eh? No, no doubt, doubt eh? Yeah. yeah. I think though, yeah, personnel was massive as well. Like we had just 
a team of people who were just there to give everything, whether they were playing, starting, benching or, you know, yeah. doing the dirty, dirty jobs on the sideline. Um, everyone was there for the moment and that yeah. was, yeah, it was cool. And for you guys now, you're a bit younger then, you're a bit older now. Um, I won't say how old, but, uh, <laughs> Please you don't. know, do you do you look back on some of those characters and some of those big personalities that you played with as people that you have learned from? Does that just happen through osmosis? You just spend time with those people and you adopt their behaviours that best suit you? You know, like who have you really looked up to in the Black Ferns environment in your time, which you can now, you know, the way you carry yourself is probably a testament to some of those guys you played with. Yeah. Who's yours? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty lucky I was able to play alongside, like, um, some legends, Anna Riches, yep. um, Emma Jensen, just to name a few, Linda Itonu, um, Huriana, I can name I can name heaps. Um, but I've learnt a lot from this one, really. Um, and <laughs> they're awesome, they're awesome, like, action-wise, but I think um, growing-wise as a leader, I've learnt a lot from Liz. So um, I look up to all these, these legends, but... Um, this one has taught me a lot. That wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, hey, seemed genuine to me. Genuine. What about you, Liz? Like you're you're obviously skipper of the team now, and and I've heard you say before that perhaps when you got earmarked in the leadership group, and then you actually got the gig as captain, you're maybe a little bit surprised it wasn't something you necessarily thought was on your horizon. Who are the people you looked up to? And it just you know, and maybe. It could be other players that you played with. It could be coaches. It could be players in the in the male setup, the seven setup. You know, is there anyone that you've looked to you thought I really like the way they operate? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I've always looked to those who are closest to me, and I probably because I know them in and out. They're yeah. they're good, they're bad, they're everything, and it's it's real, you know. So obviously, for me, my parents have had a massive impact on who I am as a person, but also who I aspire to be. Um, and there ain't no greater role model than, as yep. a female, I think, than your mum. So um, she was has definitely had an, a massive impact. When I first started playing rugby and as a young open side flanker that just got told to tackle, 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 it was Richie McCaw. Um, yeah, I didn't know a lot of Black Ferns, so I just idolised him. And then obviously as he progressed through his career, his failings, his achievements, you know, there's so much that anyone, I think, can learn from him. Um and then I think probably in the Black Ferns environment, on and off the field, um, and Pango mentioned her earlier, is, is Linda Itonu. Um, she's had a massive impact on me. Um, just her presence as a person, and then obviously her presence as a rugby player, um, her ability to connect with people of you know all walks of life. And I think she leads from a genuine place of love, which um, I've really respected. So, yeah, she's probably had a... Um, massive impact on me and probably doesn't even know that so maybe one day I'll get to tell her that as well yeah awesome I want to chat a little bit to you guys about we've talked about what's on the horizon at the moment and some of the rugby you're involved in the last couple of years but you know starting with you Renee like where did it start because you know perhaps for a young fella in New Zealand you just go down to the local rugby club and you're able to play rugby from the time you're ready you know four five six years old you know when when did you have that introduction to rugby and and what got you into the game um, that you've now played for, you know, 15 years? Yeah, well, I grew up in Paidor, so it was a small community. We didn't have women's rugby or anything like that, or a lot of rugby, but um, I started playing netball and touch, and then I, to get involved into rugby, I played first, first 15 with the boys. Awesome. So, um, which is funny because I remember we played um, 
Wesley College. And I had a headgear on, so none of them knew that I was a girl. I was a wing, and I just remember um, getting picked up from one of the boys, literally just walking out and just got dumped on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I signed up to? Um, and then that just started off all, like, my brother and the cousins, like, coming over, and that's when fight started. But yeah. that's when I pretty much started was, um, yeah, going along to trainings with my brother and then the coach asking me to play first 15, um, then after that, we got into um, we got a women's rugby start. Well, we started a women's rugby team, um, and then I moved up to to Auckland just to, um, I guess, just to give Black Ferns a crack. Um, Vanessa Coots was a a legend in the Black Ferns, and she she came to our college, Pytel College, and I had no idea who who this lady was. All I remember is she had massive legs. She was like muscly as, and she came and done a um, rugby schools with us. Um, and I, I just remember asking her, oh, what do you do? Like, what's the Black Ferns? And she was like, oh, telling us a bit about how she got into it and that. And then straight away I was just like, I want to be, yeah. be a Black Fern, and that's purely because of her. And I feel like if it wasn't for her or she didn't come to our school, I don't think I would have gone any further. Yeah, right. I went down another track probably. but Yeah, just saw someone... Um, on a pathway, you thought, "Geez, I could do that too." Yeah. Like a little bit of inspiration from because she was a weapon, wasn't she? She used to yeah, score yeah, tries for fun. Yeah. That girl. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get to play with her? I played against her. Oh, so yeah, yeah we, I remember I played against ten. Uh, I played for teams, and she played for Hamilton Marist. Was she? Is she from yeah, Hamilton? Yeah. And she scored probably like ten tries, <laughs> and I felt like just walking off the field and just watching her. Like yeah. <laughs> instead yeah. of playing against her, I was like, "Oh, geez." I got to play with her when I was 17 and she had retired from Black Ferns and she was still scoring like 10 tries. She was unreal. Amazing. What about you, Liz? Because it's not, um, wasn't necessarily from what I can see a traditional pathway either. Like, How did you first get into into rugby? Probably similar to Pango in terms of just playing. Like, I've got four brothers, so yeah. you just play it at home, you know, you're aware of it. But netball was my main sport and... My mum coached me all through that, so I was pretty hard. You know, I wanted to be a silver fern centre and wasn't <laughs> growing much taller, so it probably suited me. But, um, yeah, four black ferns turned up at my school in high school. Um, well, I actually rocked up to a boys' team as well, and after my dad had told me I'd be a better rugby player than netball because I was You're getting a few elbows Yeah, <laughs> I was too aggressive on the netball court. So I rocked up to the under-14 boys' um, trials, and that kind of kick-started it for me, and yep. then... We started a, a girls' team at our school uh, a year later, so that's when I transitioned into play female rugby um, and then made Waikato FPC. But I was the same. I didn't know anything about the Black Ferns, didn't even know there was a New Zealand women's rugby team until four Black Ferns came to my school. Um, and I was the same. I was blown away by how athletic they were, like how they, how far they could kick, how you know all those sort of things. And that's when I was kind of like, oh, I'd love to be. A black fern, but even after that, rugby died where I was from, and right. there was no opportunity to play. Like you couldn't play rugby, so I went back to netball, and then I moved to Aussie. And so my pathway was just like in and out of the game, up then sideways. You know, it wasn't just through an academy system and into yeah. the black ferns. It was I came in and out. I had the passion. I lost the passion. I found the passion. So yeah, it was a little bit wobbly, but I guess we, there's a few of those stories out there, you know. And at least now young girls can play and they yeah. know where to go to play and um, it's a bit easier for them, I guess. 
It's awesome, isn't it? Because you can join the dots now. Like if a, if a young girl comes across yourself when you're on a school visit or out and about doing a promo or something, there now is a pathway for you to yeah. jump into. There's so many, even for my, my boys play under nine rugby and there's, um, well, I think we've got three or four all girl teams oh, wow. um, playing in the grades. Yeah. So, and the, the Alataki girls. Yeah. Weapons. Oh Her are girls. You, are you the one? I'm the you? coach. Holy <laughs> hecka, they smash people away. Like, those those girls are going to be little superstars, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. They're awesome and they, the boys are funny. They like, they're, they're really good. They, they think they're going to be all nice and polite at the start and take it easy and then one of them either runs around them and scores a try yeah. or chops them in half and then all of a sudden <laughs> competitive instincts kick yeah. in and it's it's all on, eh? But I think yeah. too they've got like the whole women's rugby community backing these little girls <laughs> teams, <laughs> eh? Like. They've got the... Um, that must be quite cool though, eh? Because, you know, you've just said to us that your first connection and first inspiration for getting involved in rugby was Vanessa Coates, who came to, did a school visit, probably to her didn't seem like too much, you know, and yeah. now look where you are. So is that a little bit what you're trying to do with the Alataki girls and when you're getting out and about is just invest a bit of time into them and, and yeah. show them that it's possible? Yeah, I know. Um, my daughter plays, so I kind of had no choice to, I just, I guess I just wanted to put my hand up and coach the team, so... Um, we're pretty lucky to have an all-girls team um, and now there's a lot of other girls from other regions wanting to play, uh, other clubs, sorry, wanting to play for our, our club and it's really cool that we started with 20 girls um, and we've got like 10, 15 now but um, just seeing them grow, um, they're sponsored by Balance and they rock up with um, all the gear, like their bag, socks, <laughs> shorts, t-shirt, everything from toe, head to toe. And they just line their bags up and they just, everyone's just like, who is this team? <laughs> like, they all line up, we're walking and they're like passing the ball around. It's just so cool to see. And um, I started off like, because the coach has to ref. So I started off refing and then a couple of a couple of games later, I thought, oh, I might just st- stand to the side and see how they go. And man, that's when it's scrum time, they're already ready. And the boys are like, you go in here and you go in here. Like They're trying to organise themselves and the girls are like, come on. <laughs> so it's really cool seeing them grow every weekend. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a cool it's a cool little group. Guys, I want to ask you um, a couple of things. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but like, just how tough is it to balance family life up until not long ago, work life and professional life? Because the thing is too, well, it's fantastic there's some opportunities women rugby players now, you know, we're talking about the, the end of year tour, you know, talking about maybe some super footy next year, there's the Farapama Cup, which is an awesome competition, there's a World Cup, mm. we've got the Sevens team as well, you know, they're, they're able to go off to the Olympics and we've just seen how awesome that was, but actually, when you get a contract, that's a commitment, isn't it, you know, like there's no longer, you know, I'll get some work done, I'll, I'll get fit if I can in my, in my gaps and I'll, I'll see when I can get to the gym and I'll try and get a run in, mm. like now you are contractually meant to do that and I have no doubt that you have fitness testing and skin folds and nutrition plans and all these things that a professional athlete has like um how do you handle that um as we go into a a busy 12 months for you girls yeah it's it's hard um the juggle is real and I know some girls really struggle with it I think for us we've actually been doing it for a lot longer without the money anyway so it probably just meant adjusting to the reporting side of it, the accountability side of it, actually having to tell this person where I am doing this and, and you know, updating schedules and things like that. So that was probably the bit that I had to adjust to, which which was okay. And, and I, you know, I'm a bit older, so maybe a bit more adaptable, but it, I, it was okay for me. I know some of our new ones really struggle with it though. And, 
just actually understanding that you sign a contract, you're contractually obligated to yeah. meet the requirements of that, you know. So it's like going to work, right? If you don't turn up to work, you're probably going to be in the boss's office. Yeah. I mean, it's a good job. It's a great job, but yeah. it's still a job, isn't it? But it as well? comes with some expectations. So it's hard. But, yeah, I mean, we've got, for us personally, we've got a massive amount of support in the provincial union. So, you know, you get access to nutritionists, trainers, coaches, mental skills coaches, um, PDM to help with off-the-field life. And I think a learning for some of our girls is you've got to be willing to ask that help for the help. Is you need it to get through, especially as all the jugg- all the balls start to you know fly in the air mm. to be able to juggle it all. Yeah, we're pretty lucky to um, be at a province that offers those res- resources because you know, some provinces don't really get that. But, yeah, we're pretty lucky to get that uh, support. Um, I guess personally it's just one of the struggles is probably having Porsche and I going away at the end of the year and then having our daughter and trying to juggle um, who can uh, look after her while she's at school here, like most of my support's in Paidor. So, um, yeah, it's just trying to see who can help out in that that area now that we know that Porsche and I are heading away. That's a unique thing, isn't it, to have... Um, you both on the team and both yeah. heading up, like that's a real challenge. Mm. Do you guys think about that though often as well? Like, you're really trailblazing here. Like, if you think about what footy looked like for you guys when you first started to what it looks like now, like all the mahi and all the hard work you did without contract, without payment, you know, all the stuff you did, you know, when you were working multiple jobs and then trying to get into the gym and try and stay fit mm. for for overseas trips. It's all that hard work really that is helping get all these structures in place. You know, like, do you often look back and and think? you know, how, how cool that is, like the opportunities that are going to be there for um, all the young girls coming in underneath you? Yeah, 100%. I think too, like, for me, I've come to the point where we are the group of girls that go through the semi-professional stage, you yep. know, that's going to lead to something else. For other girls, and we might not see that, and that's fine. Like, I've accepted that and I'm, I'm happy that that's how I can contribute to the game for future generations. Yeah. Um, I think at the same time how I think is we have an obligation to those that have gone before us as well because they actually did it harder. Oh, yeah. You know, So the privileges that we experience now, um, they are exactly that, privileges, and, and it's a good reminder for us, um, older ones as well, of what our girls, you know, the ladies before us, the Anna Richards, the, the you know, Fiat, well, Pharmacy, what they've done for the game to allow us to have what we have now, and now we have a obligation to the jersey, I guess, to do the same thing for those to come. So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, and if, if there's a time where you know I start to, you know, get a bit what the hell, yeah. um, that brings me back. To, a little uppercut and think yeah, of the yeah, think of the guys yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Good uppercut <laughs> to the chin. Yeah. Renee, for you, lies there, um, you know, is there particular legends you look back on now with all your experiences think you know my goodness it even puts it in more perspective you know how hard they worked you know for the jersey knowing that you've got a a few things that they didn't have today yeah um legacy is huge for the black ferns um and i mentioned it earlier like i was lucky to be one of the young ones back then to play alongside anna and that and um yeah it was pretty tough like but we didn't think of money. We probably got like $50 a day compared to what we're getting now, and that's that's a huge jump. Um, but, yeah, we don't we don't try and think about that, and that's what it's been like since then. Like in um, all the mahi that they've done, um, 
back then, yeah. I've been there, I've seen it, um, and where I am now, it's that's that's what it is. We just continue to keep that legacy going. Um, and it's, it's really cool to be a part of that legacy, but also a new legacy as well. Um, and hopefully the, the new ones that come through, uh, we get to share those stories with those girls because um, I think that's important as well, yeah. That's probably the struggle too, though, I think, just to add to that is you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, Pungles lived, uh, been a black fern when it was really, really tough um, to now. And I won't know what some of those black ferns went through. And these young ones coming through now, they don't even know what we've been through, you know. So part of our responsibility as leaders is to keep them connected to that and actually um, maybe show them or keep them connected to the hist- history of our jersey, where it's come from, so that it never gets lost when we're, you know, moving forward. Because I think if we start to lose our history, that's when we might face, you know, some problems or, and need to be grounded again and brought back down to, you know, where we've come from. Oh, no doubt you two will make sure that that happens. Guys, what's, what's the go? So... When are we on the plane? Do we have any games before we go? Are we going into camp before we go? Like, what's your plans now before um, you know, I turn on the tally or, and I see you girls um, performing to a high standard up in the Northern Hemisphere? What, what's the go? Um, we've still got FPC. So we've got um, Otago this weekend yes. and Wellington next weekend, which is pretty important for us for Bay Plenty. Um, and then we've got camp for Black Ferns on the 2nd of October to the 8th. So it'd be cool to just um, get things rolling again and get to see get get to see the new ones, get to see everyone again, I guess, um, get some combinations going. Um, yeah, hopefully we find out if our Auckland girls will be joining us in that camp. That'll be, yeah. you know. I know, hopefully. I know. It must be close to the uh, yeah. 4 o'clock announcement. Well, yeah. And then I guess if we, don't, if we aren't going to see them, then we need to start thinking of ways around that. You know, we've got to be creative in this day, so... Scenario games, hopefully, with what numbers we can bring to camp. Otherwise, you know, it's pretty, it's going to be a big job ahead on tour. It's no excuses, is it? It's just whatever the environment is, you've just got to make it work and and try and do the best you possibly can. For you two, you know, by no means are you finished. In fact, you've got some pretty exciting rugby ahead of you, you know, like with this tour that we've spoken against really strong opposition, maybe, you know, multiple games of Super Rugby uh, next year, which we've started this year. Obviously, the World Cup's the big one in the calendar. For you guys, are those the main goals on the horizon? Do you have aspirations post-rugby? You know, we were just chatting before the pod started. Um, So many more females coming into the game of rugby, but that's mainly as players at the moment. You're doing a bit of coaching, you know, down at Alataki, but maybe we'll ever see you with the clipboard out, you know, like perhaps coaches in the future and and get a few more of of our wahine in the coaching roles as well. Yeah, I wouldn't mind um, coaching. Um, I've enjoyed coaching under night. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, I tell you. It's not easy. They they probably do I what you say more than my kids. Boys, but um, the girls seem to enjoy it, um, and they do listen, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I'd say more so than boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of coaching after rugby. Um, my goal is to to get to World Cup. Yep. Like, um, I guess, anyone really. Um, I've had a couple of injuries, and when I get injured, I'm like, oh, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> but I don't know what gets me back. Um, it's it's the watching the girls train. It's that 
fire in my belly, I guess. It's still there. And I think sometimes I think um, I'm not going to give up until I have no legs. And, or, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Then I see the Paralympics and I'm like, oh, I've got no excuses. It's just the cramp. Yeah. Like, stuff yeah. like that. It's just, like, far out. Those, those athletes are amazing. But, yeah, World Cup and probably look at a bit of coaching would be cool. Awesome. Lisa? Um, yeah, World Cup obviously is the big goal at the moment. And, you know, you asked me a couple of years ago if I wanted to be a coach and I would have put my hand up straight away and said, yep, that's definitely what I want to do after rugby. Now that I've got a daughter, um, yeah, <laughs> the stuff I see coaches go through, I don't know if, if coaching is for me, but I definitely have a passion in the governance space. So um, doing a bit of work I guess, on, in that area of the game to yeah. try and... Stay connected uh, to sport. Yeah, stay, t- stay connected to, to the to sport, but also women's rugby and women in sport. So yeah. um, I have some aspirations down that path. Um, we'll, we'll see about the coaching, see how I feel. Yeah. I'm sure you'll both be outstanding at whatever you turn your hand to. Good luck for the, the next round of Farah Palmer Cup. And then Thank hopefully you. that you're on the plane and you're off playing some international rugby. Bring us into what... Um, is going to be a very, very exciting year of rugby for the Black Ferns next year here at home in front of your friends, family, whanau. I look forward to chatting to you girls before that. Thank you, team. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having us.